Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate AudioCast Newsletter. This is volume 13 for issue number 24. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this episode corresponds with the week of May 29, 2023. This week, we're going to look at breastfeeding. We're going to talk a little bit about Memorial Day and then a recipe of the week. Free thoughts. Quote, we do not know one promise these men made, one pledge they gave, one word they spoke, but we do know they summed up and perfected by one supreme act the highest virtues of men and citizens. For love of country, they accepted death and thus resolved all doubts and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue. End quote. James A. Garfield May 30, 1868, at Arlington National Cemetery. We'll talk a little bit more about this in Section 2 when we discuss Memorial Day. Let's dive into breastfeeding. Section 1. Science versus Opinion on Breastfeeding versus Formula. I read with somewhat of a frustrated feeling a recent article in Scientific American entitled, It's Okay Not to Breastfeed by Kavin Senapathy, K-A-V-I-N-S-E-N-A-P-A-T-H-Y. In principle, the reality of this statement is reasonable. But then you read the article as to what makes this reasonable. And she says, quote, exclusive breastfeeding is not imperative. And the, quote, breast is best, end quote, mantra can be harmful to babies and parents, especially among marginalized people, end quote. So again, for me, at first blush, this makes sense and seems reasonable. But let's dig into the science and the truth of breast versus cow milk-based formula for optimal health of a child. Does formula in all of its forms work for infant nutrition in order to grow and survive in a reasonable way? The answer is a resounding yes. However, this does not tell the whole story. Far from it. First of all, there is no place for shaming anywhere in this debate. Full stop. Whatever the choice is in the long run is the choice. However, this is not to be confused with correct education regarding what is the profoundly best option in order to make that choice. To not offer the honesty behind the science of breast milk being profoundly superior to cow milk formula as touted by the American Academy of Pediatrics is akin to telling someone that they can eat whatever they want without consequence, leaving our medicines to fix the problem. That is a scientific failure of the Hippocratic Oath. We as physicians and providers of care in pediatrics, has a laser fo- we have a laser focus on a child's optimal health. That is a key word, optimal. We are also very concerned for a mother's well-being as she profoundly affects her child physically and mentally. These two must be looked at in context of the maternal child dyad. However, choice is a tricky thing. Whose choice takes precedence? Nature and genetic understandings usually favor the next generation in survival over the older parent or grandparent generation. This can be seen throughout the animal kingdom. In the article, the author's central tenet for breastfeeding not being imperative lies with these statements. Quote, looking back at my own experience, I'm convinced that the pressure to breastfeed contributed to my developing postpartum anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. I later learned that this pressure could have harmed mental health in even more acute ways including potentially increasing the risk of suicide. 
I was struggling but determined to breastfeed exclusively because I believed that it would reduce my child's risk of several diseases and boost lifelong achievement. I was wrong, largely because I was misled, end quote. This paragraph is a statement of maternal mental health support needs during a difficult time. Less than need to stop breastfeeding because it's not necessary nor beneficial. Support is key. The statement that one is misled by the science is dubious, as you will see below. Let me go read that again. I was wrong, largely because I was misled. You know, she's talking again about being told to breastfeed exclusively. I'm curious to see what she defines as being misled because the science is very, very clear that breast milk is better than formula in all ways. Let's go on. She states, quote, the reliance on breastfeeding can also lead to a violation of children's right to be satiated. End quote. I don't understand this word at all. A child's right to be satiated can't even begin to understand what that may, what that means. She also states, proponents often say that breastfeeding is free, but it is not. There's the cost of our time, effort, pumping equipment, and pausing of pursuits. Those costs and benefits vary for different people. I didn't realize that exclusive breastfeeding would take so much out of me. As I recovered from a traumatic birth, my baby cried unless she was on my breast, which many exclusive breastfeeding advocates say is normal. So I nursed constantly. When we were discharged from the hospital, she had lost 9% of her body weight, which was within the 7 to 10% that is considered normal in an exclusively breastfed newborn in many birthing facilities. I was told to continue nursing on demand at home. On day four of her life, I was devastated to learn that she had lost over 12% of her weight. Our doctor recommended supplementing with formula, assuring, as, assuring us that it would be okay and that I could wean off formula in a few days, I felt anything but okay, end quote. Quote, exclusive breastfeeding is not Mother Nature's design, end quote. Wow, that last statement says it all. Exclusive breastfeeding is not Mother Nature's design. I'm not quite sure how anyone can state that out loud. I mean, it is probably the most perfected design by God, Mother Nature, however you want to look at it, in all mammalian science. But I digress on that piece. I encourage everyone to read the entire Scientific American piece as I have shown only a snapshot of the argument that I vigorously and respectfully disagree with for the entire population health perspective. Breast milk is Mother Nature's most pure design and is not comparable in any way to the static reality of infant formula. Breast milk is dynamic and produced by a mother for her child as a child's needs declare. Every major health organization in the world promotes breast is best realities. Thus, while I love Scientific American and truly think it's one of my favorite journals to read, and they have the right to publish these thoughts and opinions, I feel compelled to then offer this counter-argument because to let that stand as it is in a major scientific journal is to then basically sanction a reality that breast milk is not best and that people are being misled. And that is completely false. Is a contention that the best is breast, excuse me, the breast is best policy stressing women unduly and causing more disease? Correct. Because that's what she's claiming. From a recent review article, we read the studies consistently that if you really read them, 
They show that exclusive breastfeeding increases the mother's self-efficacy and provides protection from symptoms of postpartum depression, completely going against what she's stating. Breastfeeding reinforces the mother-child diet relationship and reduces fatigue in the mother by promoting a proper sleep-like cycle. In the article, they concluded in their review that the benefits emphasize the importance of breastfeeding and maintaining the mental health of the mother. Again, 180 degrees away from what she's stating. They also concluded that screening for early onset depression, as was experienced by Kevin Senapathy, will allow mothers to seek support early on and potentially avoid premature cessation of breastfeeding. The review also highlighted the lack of personalized care and support for mothers. Quote, addressing these concerns should theoretically increase breastfeeding rates among mothers and thus limit the incidence of postpartum depression. End quote. This is from Tucker et al. in 2022. And that comes to us from the journal Curious. So for me, that's big, right? So they're looking at this from a totalitarian perspective, like from, from, from totality perspective, I mean, from everybody not just one person who had a bad outcome or a bad experience. Because we don't make decisions on only one person. We're making a population health decision. If one person has a difficult time, as is the case with Kevin, then that is where we should be supporting that person implicitly to have the best outcome no matter what they choose. We should be supporting people everywhere we can, especially mothers' postpartum experiences. So let's immediately clarify something. To state correctly, as the American Academy of Pediatrics does, that best, breast is best is not in, in any way shaming a person or to be a shaming event, no more than stating that obesity or being overweight is associated with all-cause mortality. If a human is overweight, their personal risk of disease will continue to rise exponentially over time for disease of aging and infection. Just think of what we just went through with COVID. The science of human health and breast milk metabolism has taken log steps forward over the recent past with the discovery of the human intestinal microbiome, human milk oligosaccharides, and the immunometabolic pathways of disease, avoidance, or conversely immune solvency. I am of the belief that we will learn that the health of the parents from an immunometabolic perspective will be a major upstream cause of autism and other neurobehavioral disorders of childhood. We are already seeing associations of autoimmunity, gestational diabetes, and obesity linked. Breastfeeding is a layer in this reality. If you are overweight and have gestational diabetes while pregnant, your risk of having a child with autism is 4x. That's very high. So for me, the science is clear here regarding breast milk. Regardless of choice, personal feelings, or perceived reality, we'll continue to look at the science. And if the science ever says that breast milk and formula are of the same quality, then we change our minds. But until that day, that's not the case. Let's look a little bit more at breast milk. The dynamic nature of breast milk is far beyond anything that formula can ever do or try to do and be an equivalent food source because it changes constantly as the needs of the child require. Here are some of the added benefits. One, breast milk reduces the risk of illness from most forms of bacteria and viral disease in infancy. Two, reduces the rates of sudden infant death syndrome by 30%. Three, 50% reduction in necrotizing enterocolitis, which is a life-threatening intestinal disease in preterm infants. Four, reduces hospital readmission rates for preterm infants during the first year of life. Five, better neurodevelopmental outcomes. Six, infant mortality rates are reduced by 21%. Seven, provides protection against the development of allergies, especially with strong family history of allergic disease. Eight, 
Reductions in inflammatory bowel disease and celiac disease. Nine, reductions in autoimmune diabetes and some forms of cancer. Ten, reduced metabolic disease and excessive weight gain. Show me any drug that can do all these things and it would be worth a bazillion dollars. But instead, it's free and derived from mom. Two major thoughts on the newest science. Fats make up 4% of breast milk and the critical fat is a polyunsaturated fat known as linoleic acid and linolenic acid, otherwise known as alpha-linolenic acid, ALA, the most important of which is eicosapentaenoic acid and tocosahexaenoic acid, which are EPA and DHA, which are precursor molecules for resolvents and protections, which are little molecules that decrease inflammation broadly after an insult, especially in the brain. 80% of the brain's DHA is acquired in the, from the 26-week post-conception until birth. Premature babies lack the enzymes to convert these polyunsaturated fats into DHA and EPA, which pose a greater risk for the premature child. Mothers provide these fats during pregnancy and through breast milk, assuming that she herself has adequate stores, which predominantly come from consuming fish. Thus, it is critical that premature infants receive some breast milk to prevent diseases like necrotizing and colitis from dysbiosis. Number two, Let's look at the microbiome here as well, as it is a major source of human-derived health. Breast milk provides for over 220 milk oligosaccharides, or small sugars that are indigestible by the human infant, but are digestible by the infant's intestinal microbes. This is an incredible evolutionary task for a mother to use her energy to make a food source for bacteria that is roughly 15% of breast milk composition. The reason is clear. There is a profound symbiosis between a human and the intestinal microbiome. As discussed in the podcast with Dr. Shafazada, the specific intestinal microbes that are present in the intestines will dictate which human milk oligosaccharides are metabolized and thus conferring health benefits to the child. Breast milk is loaded with diverse human milk oligosaccharides and are giving a child the best health outcomes. Formula has recently added two to three of these HMOs out of the 220 in order to meet some of the benefit. Thus, with a lack of diversity, is only a matter of time until we learn more about what the missing uh, 220 or 218 HMOs are that are in breast milk and why, when they're not in the formula, what's that doing? Time will tell. Number three, breastfeeding is protective against infants having autism spectrum disorders. 39% risk reduction from one article by Tseng et al. in 2019, and that article was published in Nutritional Neuroscience. A Nature article points to conflicting data. Pires et al. in 2023 was published in Nature. And, but when I look over all the data in its totality, it slants heavily towards breastfeeding being better for children over formula for autism prevention. But more data needs to be seen to conclusively prove that. For me, this is a public health need. And in my mind, autism rates are skyrocketing nationally. So anything that you can do possibly to reduce that risk, I would do. But let me be profoundly clear. I 100% do not believe in shaming an individual for choosing a path that is contrary to the optimal health for various reasons as stated above. I also feel empathy for Kevin's plight in this piece. However, her experience is not a population health-determining experience and should not change the AAP's position or my position or any physician's position in any way, nor change our recommendations as providers of care. 
This entire piece is meant to stimulate an understanding of the science on optimal health. Our children deserve the best, and even when the conversation is uncomfortable, and this one can be quite uncomfortable. But for me, I fear that articles like this one discussed try to normalize formula as a great choice equivalent to breast milk. It is not the same, and likely in my mind never will be, probably not in my lifetime at least. Choice is a tricky thing. I ask again, whose choice takes precedence? Formula is great for those infants that cannot breastfeed for whatever reason, but it is not even close to the best option if you believe in optimal health for human infants. I say this with the utmost respect to every single mother and to the author who wrote that piece. The AAP recommends exclusive breastfeeding up until about six months of age and then continuing on after that with food. They state that there is no need to introduce infant formula or the source of nutrition for most infants in that first six months. AAP recommends that birth hospitals and centers implement maternity care practices to improve breastfeeding initiation, duration, and exclusivity. There are continued benefits of breastfeeding beyond one year of age and up to two years of age, especially for mom. Long-term breastfeeding is associated with protections against diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer of the breast and ovaries. That is no small thing. Mothers who choose to breastfeed beyond the first year need support from the medical providers as well as protection against workplace barriers. Policies that protect breastfeeding, including universal paid maternal leave, the right of a woman to breastfeed in public, insurance coverage for lactation support and breast pumps, on-site child care, universal workplace break time with a clean private location for expressing milk, the right to feed expressed milk, and the right to breastfeed in child centers and lactation rooms and schools are all essential for supporting families and sustained breastfeeding. I 100% agree. I also would add that mothers should be supported through governmental policies with education that they have access to high-quality foods that support high-quality breast milk, not laden with potential chemicals and pesticides or drugs that come through the system. Mothers should be allowed to have access to probiotics prenatally like uh, Bifidobacter and Fantas EVO001 to help with breast milk metabolism post-birth if they're unable to afford it. We should continue to promote a healthy maternal microbiome through diet and lifestyle education based on emerging data every year. The state government should directly help mothers receive lactation support through outpatient clinics and health departments. With the amount of money that we have saved on not using formula, these costs would be mitigated easily. We have one lactation specialist office and we're going for three. This is a good thing. Mothers should be supported through education on how to avoid chemicals in the environment that could adversely affect the child by being passed through breast milk. Mothers deserve mental health support full stop after the delivery of a newborn. This should be part and parcel to everything we do. If you want to learn more about the breastfeeding story, look at the podcast with Dr. E.A. Quinn. I think it was number eight. And also the one with Dr. Shafazada soon after that, which was a podcast looking at EVO, C001, the Bifidobacter infantis probiotic, which I think is excellent. And there are multiple other newsletters and links you can get in this newsletter at SalisburyPediatrics.com. So section two is just a quickie on Memorial Day. First known as Decoration Day, Memorial Day originated in the United States in the years following the Civil War to commemorate the lost men of the Union side of the war in the North. Southern states had their own celebration initially. 
It became an official federal holiday in 1966 when President Lyndon Johnson declared it so at Waterloo, New York, 100 years after the first celebration took place there. Many Americans now observe Memorial Day by visiting cemeteries and memorials nationwide. For me, this is a day to honor the men and women that serve and have served us over the years of our country's glorious existence. Regardless of political or tribal ideology, the men and women that don a uniform in order to protect my family and I deserve every ounce of my respect from now on until I draw my last breath. You only have to spend a minute on the news to see a world without a solid military to protect the populace from foreign invaders gets into trouble. Think Ukraine, Sudan, Syria, Gambia, and many other countries currently in struggle. Go back over time in history, and this issue is constant. To not have a good, solid military will put you in harm's way over time. Today, spend time with your kids, educating them about how to respect men and women in the armed uniform services. Teach them about sacrifice, love of friend and country. These ideals are critical to a functioning society. The recipe of the week this week is chicken thighs with creamy mustard sauce by Ina Garten. She always makes a solid, quality dish that is never, never underperforming. This dish is great. It's got a lot of omega-9 fats, sulfur, vitamin C. If you add some cooked quinoa and some asparagus to it, it really, really gives you a gustatory moment. Even my buddy Cliff would like it. Just no peanuts. All right, y'all. That's it for this week. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. The information provided in this newsletter audio cast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.